Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. We're back for a new year, and each week we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations, those shows that we just want to tell you all about. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, great to be back for another year of Skip Intro. Isn't it, John? 2023. We're already um, getting stuck into the year, but I think we can still say... Happy new podcast year and kick off what I think is going to be a stonking year of television. I've watched a lot over Christmas and the break, but I know there's a lot of cool shows coming up soon as well. So there's probably a bit for us to talk there about. There is week. a lot for us to talk about it and the year's already off to a really strong start. This week, we've got two really cool, really interesting things that we're going to talk about. What are they, Ali? We have a British TV series called Nolly, which is a three-part drama, a true story. And then we've got a documentary, an Oscar-nominated documentary called All That Breathes to talk about. So Nolly and All That Breathes. Awesome. Well, let's head back to the world of British soap operas for Nolly. Good evening. I'm Noel Gordon. Crossroads Motel. Can I help you? No, 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 no. Did they say you can't sit in my chair? Yeah. Don't. Miss Noel Gordon! All good things must come to an end. They have plans for the future of the show. Without you, you're out. If she goes, we all go. Written by Russell T Davies and starring Helena Bottom Carter, Nolly is the new three-part miniseries based on the true story of Noel Gordon, a trailblazing star of British television who had her career unceremoniously ended at the peak of her fame. Ali, this is, I know it's early in the year, but it's one of the best things I've watched already. John, I think one of the early podcasts from last year, might have been even been episode one or two of 22, you came out early with a British miniseries that you said you thought was the best thing so far and that would probably be the best thing all year. It was, of course, This Is Going to Hurt. For those that haven't seen that, watch that. But you're going, going out, out early, early with another with great another British, British miniseries. Series. This ticks so many of my boxes. Helena Bonham Carter, amazing. Russell T Davies, amazing for people who aren't familiar Long history with the rebirthed Doctor Who, but also did It's a Sin and amazing show. A number of other amazing British miniseries. This is actually a true story, but I went into this knowing nothing about the true story. So I don't think you actually need to have any, you, you don't need to have any knowledge going into this. But it is about, as I've said, Noel Gordon. She's this trailblazing British actress who starred in this British soap opera that I'm a little embarrassed to say I'd never heard of called Crossroads. It was sort of famously a bit ropey, a bit budget. It was shot in the Midlands of the UK, but it was very, very popular, had an enormous audience of like 15 million people a week. So it's like the Coronation Street of the North. Yeah, and, and was enormous. And Noel Gordon was the star and she was beloved. And at the height of her fame, the cruel network executives basically fired her with not a lot of explanation and her career never really recovered. But she did nearly 20 years on Crossroads, was unceremoniously fired, and her career never recovered. And she was the first woman to ever appear on colour television anywhere in the world. She was the first woman to ever interview a head of state when she interviewed the UK Prime Minister. And yeah, she was this beloved figure who, you know, she couldn't walk down the street without getting recognised during her time on on Mm. Crossroads, but looks at her sort of fall from grace and what happens when you have the rug pulled out of you from your career and you thought you were at the top of your game and you really never recover. So it's about television. It's about, you know, women in entertainment. It's about soap operas. It's about 
you know, there's this great scene where a man sort of snidely says to the Noel character, oh, it's, you know, it's for women. It's this thing for women. And she's like, yeah, so what? Like, women love television. Women watch soap operas. Like, it's just this defense of television in general. And, yeah, it's beautifully done. If you've ever seen anything Russell T. Davies does, you know that he does it so well. He's, like, such this authored voice. And, yeah, it's brilliant. It's only three episodes. And, yeah, sorry, I'll stop talking so you can say something. I was going to say, there's a lot to unpick there, John, because the first thing is we love a bit of an inside baseball show. Shows about television are, are really interesting, not just for us because it's it's what we do, but just, I think, audiences love that as well. So the fact that you get to kind of have a bit of a look into what was happening in television, because it it flashes back a little bit between her life and her career. So whilst what most of the bulk of this is happening in the very early eighties, I think. Um, Yeah. When when her her downfall is in the, is in the early eighties. Yeah. Yeah. But because it goes back to when the show started and it'd been on air for many decades as well, you're kind of seeing some really interesting things. I think the, the second thing about this is Russell T Davies, like you said, he does period pieces or, you know, genre pieces super, super well. So you can, you know, watching this, you can see his touch on all of it, but you literally are dropped back into England at that point in time. It's so authentic. You've got a wonderful performance in Helena Bonancada as as the lead who's on, it feels like she's on on screen nearly every inch of, of, of the screen the whole way through. She just absolutely holds her performance consistently. But the other thing I think you're touching on that's interesting is it also feels very timely despite being set so long ago because watching it through 2023 eyes, you realise, yeah, the power that the producers and, and the execs kind of had and they almost had like a personal vendetta against her. She almost got a bit too big for her boots, not in her personality but just in her power that she effectively held over the show. So it feels like there was a little bit of an axe to grind happening as well, wasn't there? We talked about this as one of our favourite shows of last year, but there's some similarities with Julia, which was about Julia Childs and her public television show, The French Chef. And there's some similarities between Nolly and that in that both of these shows kind of had this organic grassroots fandom and audience that the people making it and the people commissioning it or keeping it on air didn't understand. And it feels like the people who were running the network that had Crossroads and had Nolly as its star just didn't understand why she was such a big star or that she was so important to these people's lives. So when they did, you know, unceremoniously fire her, it was front page news. And it's almost like they couldn't understand, oh, what do you mean? We're just firing this soap star. But they didn't understand how big a deal it was to the audience that she was speaking to. Bit of an ivory tower corporate distraction or distance between their audience, isn't there? Like you said, they didn't really understand what was driving the show. And then they almost turned the promotion or like they almost the fact that she was going, she went to the media and kind of was playing out through the media into a story in itself, into like a promotion. And they were so thrilled that the ratings were up in anticipation for how she was going to die. But Yeah. And it was very cynical. Like they talk about, you know, and I only know this because of the many Simpsons references, but the Who Shot JR thing, they almost wanted to recreate this, you know, Who Shot JR style, like national moment. But I think in the process, they didn't realize what they were losing by firing the star of their biggest show. <laughs> After watching this, I then went on a Wikipedia dive and, you know, you learn all about the soap opera and Noel and how they, you know, they brought back the soap opera and all these other things that happened. So it's fascinating that it's true, but it's also just as a standalone story, it's fascinating and, you know, can't understate how brilliant Helena Bonham Carter is in this role. She just completely inhabits it. Like it's, she's perfectly, perfectly cast. Yeah, she's brilliant, isn't she? I think there's probably a whole podcast in controversial people that got fired from series and where they were able to put someone else in the role or when the show never recovered. Like you just think there's been so many examples of it over the years, hasn't there? Like recast. Yeah. And, and it's um, funny because it's kind of like you almost, 
there's not really a really clean definitive answer of why they actually fired her it was like did they do it for ratings did they do it because they wanted the show to get cancelled like it actually doesn't seem it was like it, doesn't, it didn't actually That's, make sense there's one yeah. scene where she kind of overshoots the writers and because she's so close to the show she does seem to know the audience better than the i mean the, i felt the insinuation was all the male producers and writers weren't you know connecting yeah. to the characters and the audience like she was so i think she probably got a bit too big for her boots. I don't know. It felt like it was a slap down to me. But yeah. um, And I think people probably feel that today. Shows get cancelled that have these passionate, passionate audiences and people can't fathom why they're getting cancelled. And sometimes there's real reasons and sometimes there's not. And I'm sure there's plenty of miniseries to be made out of any number of TV show cancellations at some point in the future. But yeah, if TV or power or um, the media or any of those things are of interest to you, like absolutely check out Nolly. It's only three, one hours. So it's actually, it's a really quick watch. All three episodes of Nolly are streaming for you on February 10th, which depending on when you're listening to this podcast is probably right now. So go and give it a watch. This is Michael talking about. Yes, it. Why did they get ready for you, Nolly? Why did Crossroads suck you? Those men brought me down. They singled me out. Do you think I'd let them stop me? I've got plans. The Academy Award-nominated documentary All the Breeds follows two brothers in Delhi and their heroic yet seemingly insurmountable dedication to the task of treating injured birds in their makeshift wildlife hospital. Intimately captured, the film is a portrait of an interconnected ecosystem of life struggling to survive and adapt. मैंने अपनी पूरी लाइफ इसको डिवोर्ट कर दी है अली दिस इज लाइक profoundly moving <laughs> yes i've not seen anything like this before i went into this pretty blind i knew it was oscar nominated i knew it was apparently it was the first film to ever win both sundance and Cannes documentary prizes in the same year so i went into this you know with sort of high hopes but think not knowing vaguely knowing it was about birds or something so i went in really really blind and just yeah it's it's beautiful probably the most striking thing is how it's shot like it's not like a lot of documentaries I've seen. There's no talking heads. There's no narration. You're so intimately in the room with these brothers and their families and these birds, these black kites that, again, I didn't, didn't know anything about, that they're just finding on the street or rescuing and trying to bring back to life and asking people for food to help feed and mm. just trying to survive in life, not only keeping the birds alive but, you know, wondering if they're going to get deported or... Yeah. So, John, just to, just to stop a bit of context, it's it's two brothers who are living in quite poor circumstances. You know, they're not on the streets, but they are in a small apartment that looks like it's somewhat above a warehouse where their main job is. And as a side job, they're basically saving these birds or providing veterinary clinic care for them because the vets don't treat them because a they're kind of seen as vultures. They they feed off the waste and um, the landfill in Delhi. So the birds almost represent the sickness in our world. The brothers are representing this kind of highly educated and thoughtful humans and the humanity of the brothers because despite their difficult living circumstances and the simplicity of their life, they have really high ideals on both how to be caring and kind because they're putting so much time and energy and 
clearly no money and no payback for looking after these birds, except for the act of looking after them and caring for them. I think there's a line about them being like a band-aid to a much bigger yeah, kind like of Yeah, like a wound, gash in a wound they, and they're just a band-aid sort of thing. Yeah. yeah, and they kind of represent the small but impactful role one person can play in a really big world because in this crazy large city with huge mountains of landfill and so many of these birds, they're treating each bird like it matters and that a lot of the birds are getting sick because of the pollution it's either the air pollution in Delhi or it's kind of contamination through the landfill so you've also like it's just it's not like they're just picking up a bird that's been knocked over by the road like it's the birds are being injured by the environment they're in which is it was trying to hold a mirror up to where we are with environmental issues but it doesn't shove it down your throat or make it feel really virtuous it's so subtle and poetic in how it's done yeah that's the like that is the poetry of that's it that's the beauty of that. it they're doing this tiny, tiny thing with one bird at a time because in their eyes, if they can get this bird back in the air, then it will help eat some of the landfill, which means there's less landfill, which means there'll be less pollution so that there'll be better rain. So like they like they can understand their place in this enormous ecosystem. But the like poetry and like tragedy of it is how much can these like two or three guys ever possibly do by just rescuing a couple of birds a day? Like there's obviously it's beautiful and amazing, but there's like there's also this sadness to it all of like how much impact can one person have? But that's, again, also the yeah. beauty of it is they're so dedicated and they do have this side job where they're well, not a side job, their real job is making hand soap, which is, you mm. know, obviously what's keeping their family alive and they get some funding to run this hospital. But then they're not properly trained. They've taught themselves how to do this themselves because they learned from like, they said that they'd read bodybuilding magazines as kids and they learned how the body works. So they were able to use that to fix these birds. And it's just... It's quite, it's just yeah. really remarkable. And the relationship between the brothers and how different they are, like it just, one of the brothers is almost like a philosopher in the way he views the world and some of the things that he says. And then one's a little bit more of a doer and a bit more kind of practical, but together, this is really bringing meaning to their lives. Like I just, it's, it, I know I can understand why it's been nominated for an Oscar. It's slow television. It is not high impact. Like the opening credits are minutes of just a scene you're kind yeah. of like oh, what's what am I watching here you know it's hard to depict it's night time and it's it's in the kind of landfill and in the dumps in Delhi you've got animals and rats and dogs and kind of crawling over mounds of rubbish you're like what am I watching and then you start following one of the brothers on his morning kind of way into the work into work like you said and you don't it's not set up you're following a day in the life of these guys and through what just watching what they do you understand why they do it and who they are. And and for that, it's it's everything that it doesn't say that I think packs the yeah, punch. Yeah, no, totally. I walked away from it and I, th- I think, you know, the best docos and the best film and television and art does this. I walked away from it and I was like, oh, my God, I wish my life had that much, like, focus and passion and the tiny scratches of difference that they're making you can see gives them so much meaning and that's yeah. it's so beautiful because so few people's lives are that dedicated to something so yeah i was really moved by the whole thing and unexpectedly so because again i went into this quite blind thinking it was something about birds and it's as we've <laughs> i think we've touched on it's way more than just a documentary about birds and it's an environmental film but it's really about brothers so it's hum- it's, it's it's the ultimate putting together of of the environment and humanity and 
they exist together. And and they're quite characters. Like they they clash a lot. There's you know they they're always sort of disagreeing about things. And one of them has this like very genuine innocence where he asks quite silly questions. Where he's like, oh, what would happen if they dropped a bomb on us? And it's like like they have these really sort of sweet, beautiful moments. And yeah, like you said, I can understand why this has touched such a chord with so many people because it's yeah it's this mix of a beautiful story beautiful people in this like unexpected setting I guess the Oscars are March 13th so maybe maybe in a month or so we'll be talking about the Oscar winning documentary all all that breathes yeah Yeah, I can't I can't highly recommend enough that um people give this a go well talking about Oscars should does that it's probably a good segue into dinner party recommendations those let's do it hits and shows and things that are on the platform that we tell people to watch or people are finding themselves let's get stuck into it what's your dinner party recommendation John well I was going to say what's yours because I'm guessing it's an Oscar <laughs> I'm guessing it's an Oscar nominee <laughs> yeah otherwise what is she yeah. going on about isn't it funny we start to see things really bubble up we obviously get the data to see what people are watching but and also kind of can really see the trending and there was a film that dropped not so long ago and it is one of the I think it's the most nominated show at this year's Oscars uh, or film it's called Everything everywhere, all at once. And it's been so popular. And I recommend, I'm not going to give you chapter and verse on it, but I recommend you give it a go so that if you're watching the Oscars come March and you're like, what is this movie that everyone's talking about? You can have an opinion on it for yourself because the kind of things people have been saying is at the end of watching it, they're like, what have I just watched? What is this about? This is so unique. Um, So I think it's a, a, a really diverse and interesting film that um, deserves its place in the awards lineup. And I recommend you give it a go. Everything, everywhere, all at once. I'm not your husband. I'm another version of him from another universe. I'm here because we need your help. Very busy today. A whole time to help you. Across the multiverse. In thousands of Evelyns. You can access all their memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you may be your only chance of stopping it. We do have a whole Oscar winners and nominees carousel up on Binge at the moment. So if you want to scroll through decades and decades of films that have been nominated or won Academy Awards, you can you can also revisit all of those, including All That Breathes and Everything Everywhere, all at once. Awesome. What's your dinner party recommendation? Well, mine is something completely different. The TV nerd in me can't escape talking about TV about TV and something that was a bit of a quiet publish onto Binge late last year, but something that I was very keen to make sure that we got is a adult animation from the 90s called The Critic. Son, this judo class will give you self-confidence and make you physically fit. And besides, for every class you take, I get a free cookie puss ice cream cake. Judo teaches us size is nothing next to cunning. All right. Ah, Marty, your opponent will be Satoshi, the eater of souls. has disturbed my thousand-year sleep. Ah! I want to go home. Oh. You familiar with this, Ali? 
No, do share. So do it tell. only lasted two seasons from 1994 to 1995. And critics have called it the closest thing that The Simpsons ever got to a spin-off. So it stars John Lovitz as, as the voice of the main character, Jay Sherman, mm-hmm. who's this New York mm-hmm. film critic. And each episode is this like parody take on film and the media and film criticism all wrapped up in this adult animation which if you've ever watched the simpsons visually looks very similar it has the same showrunners so al gene and mike rice are behind it john how has this been missed like this this should be shouted from the rooftop that's that's why we're talking about it on the first podcast okay so for big simpsons fans jay sherman the character does appear in the simpsons which is why it's sort of it's not technically a spin-off but it like like i said it's the closest thing the simpsons has to a spin-off and yeah it's it's beloved there's only two seasons. Isn't it amazing that they've never done a Simpsons? I'm cutting in, sorry. No, I know. That they've never done a Simpsons spin-off, that, 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 that it's been so protected that imagine there would have been so many TV execs going, it's such a great IP, spin it off, yeah. spin it off. But it's not amazing that it hasn't. Yeah. The Critic, season one was, I think, ABC in America, and then season two got moved to Fox, and they actually paired it up with The Simpsons, and The Simpsons in one episode made fun of the, like, shameless cross-promotion of being paired up with The Critic. So if, you, <laughs> if you've ever watched The Simpsons, this character and this show has been mentioned, and is probably in the back of your head somewhere, but it's not been widely available. Um, it's from the showrunners who did like, you know, iconic Simpsons seasons like three, four, five. So yeah, if you're a Simpsons fan or if you're just like a film, media, TV kind of fan, please check out The Critic. Tonight I'll be reviewing Home Alone 5. <gasps> we left Kevin home alone and he's only 23. Ah! Cool. Uh, so this week on Skip Intro, it's great to be back for the year. And we talked about Nolly. We talked about All That Breathes. Ali suggested that you check out Everything Everywhere All At Once, along with the rest of our Oscars collection. And I suggested that you check out the little animation that could The Critic. All of these are streaming for you now on Binge, which of course you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Bollum, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro.